Good morning. My name is Ross. I want to add my welcome to Scott's. Thank you for being here with us. And uh, also just want to let you know um, there's some hurt in the room this morning. And uh, I want to be sensitive to that. Uh, last week, uh, if you were here last week, I announced to you that uh, on Friday night, a young gal named Carly, Carly Beatty, uh, who is a student at College Station down at A&M, uh, roommate of one of our own, uh, Morgan Waldron, was hit um, by a car on Friday night as she was walking home with Morgan and her other roommate and was in critical condition and found out this morning that Carly has passed. And um, though I react to that because I've been praying this week, as many of you have, some among us um, know that pain in much deeper ways um, than I ever could. And um, so I uh, am going off script here. Um, I'm going to take us to God's Word in a moment, but I would like us to pray. And I want to invite you to pray. And I invite some of you to pray out loud here in just a moment. I'm going to give us a moment of silence. And I'm going to ask for a few of, the, few of you that have already been praying throughout the week to pray for Carly's family, the Beatty family. Carly um, graduated in 2018 from Centennial High School. As I said, one of the Waldron's good friends, um, Ben Megan's uh, excuse me, Morgans. <laughs> we always do that, don't we, Megan? Sorry. Um, Morgan is still down uh, in Houston or A&M with, with her mom this morning. Um, Carly came to our youth group as a senior while she was at Centennial High School, was a vet student um, at A&M. And I just can't imagine as a parent of a senseless, um, unjust, horrific, tragic death. So I would just invite us to pray this morning, okay? And, and I'm going to give us a moment of silence again. And just whoever wants to, let's pray for the family. Let's pray for friends. Let's pray for the, the man uh, that hit Carly. Um, anything that comes to your mind, okay? So would you bow with me just in silence for a moment to yourself and then I'll invite some of you to prayer. Yes, Father, we do just come to you, the God of all comfort, as you, as you are, and we ask for your comfort and your peace, uh, particularly for the Beatty family and friends like Morgan and family that grieve so heartbroken this morning. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, whom Carly professed faith in. And we thank you for the hope of a kingdom that is to come where there is no more pain or mourning or crying or death. We thank you, God, that in this broken world we have that sure and lasting hope. So, Jesus, thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, um, look, I've got nothing apart from, I mean, I have a message, um, but um, I've got nothing apart from the Word of God. And uh, so what I want to do this morning um, is not preach as much 
I'm sure I'll make some points, but um, hopefully. But I want to bring uh, the Word of God to us in this moment of hurt, okay? Um, and again, I want to particularly ask you to pray for the babies. I want to ask you to pray uh, for the Waldrons. I want you to pray for Brenda Lee, who uh, taught Carly, taught her math, also gave her horseback riding lessons. It's not the way it's supposed to be, is it? And uh, as someone asked me this week, um, what do you say? How do you explain this? And I come back to my first statement, I got nothing. I've got nothing except the Word of God. Thanks be to God who gives us hope, okay? And we actually will get to 1 Peter uh, next week, but I want to start there this morning and remind us, I'm just going to take us to some, a few passages, and then we will respond in song, and we'll come to the table that gives us hope. So go ahead and turn with me to 1 Peter, and let, re, let me remind us of where we started last week, or a couple weeks ago, but last week we focused upon verses 3 through 6. And so let us hear these words of God again, anew, afresh, in light of this trial, your own trial probably, um, someone has said when it comes to suffering and pain and trials, you've either just gone through it, you're in the middle of it, or you're headed toward it. But it's guaranteed. In fact, 1 Peter 4.12, Peter says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you face. Um, expect it. So, First Peter verses three through I think I'll read through seven for right now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. If you're going to get through the rest of 1 Peter, if you're going to get through the rest of life as a believer, you got to have those verses. As it sets the stage for verse 6. And verse 7, okay? Blessed be, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father for this salvation, for this living hope, for this inheritance, because verse 6 is where we live today. In this, the things he just said, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. In this, this blessing from God, this salvation, this living hope, you rejoice. Because without it, you can't rejoice. Without it, you don't have a hope. Much less living or eternal, not to mention just a hope for today. But now... 
for a little while, if necessary, we're grieved by trials of various asundry types, differing in kind, differing in degree, but trials. We can rejoice. It's only in Christ, it's only in Jesus, because of Jesus, that in verse 6, we can have joy. At the same time, we have grief. Joy and grief together. Verse 7 is the hard one for me this morning. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a tough one. That the trials are refining us. We'll talk more about that next week, okay? That's all I'll say about that for now, but we'll talk more about that next week. The fires of trial But as you sang those songs, Megan and Brenda, that even in the valley, he's faithful. We read verse 8. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Joy inexpressible. That if you know Jesus, it's there. It's the buoyancy that keeps you from just treading water and sinking and drowning. The joy of Jesus in the midst of suffering and the knowledge of an inheritance and a salvation. We'll go back up to verse 4 to those three words. Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Imperishable, undefiled, unfading. We are perishable. We are defiled. We are fading. He's going to say, let me flip over. To verse 24 and 25, he says this. Peter says, sorry, it's not on the screen. Peter quotes in verse 24, All flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever, unfading, imperishable. And that's this inheritance that we have, this inheritance that Carly has by profession and faith, a salvation and an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us, though we go through these trials. But we won't make it through them if we don't have the hope of verses 3 through 5. Let me take us over to... 2 Corinthians chapter 5, okay? 2 Corinthians. Actually, before we do that, 
Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That makes sense. It comes before chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, why in the world, Ross? Senseless, 19 years old. I don't know. I don't know. Here's one thing that Paul says about affliction and suffering. 2 Corinthians 1, let's read verses 8 and 9, if you have it in front of you. He says, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Let me pause right there. Utterly burdened. Been there? Can't imagine what a parent of a youngest daughter must be feeling. Utterly burdened beyond our strength. Been there? There right now, perhaps, in some way, some sense. Oh my gosh, look at what Paul, the Apostle Paul, look at what the Apostle Paul says at the end of verse 8. That we despaired of life itself. This is God's man. This is Jesus' man. You want to find out about some of those afflictions? Flip to chapter 6, flip to chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. But verse 9, here's at least one, one piece, okay, one answer. Verse 9, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but, but, underline that, circle that, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Let me say that again. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves. If there's anything that God wants to do in us, and especially in trial and suffering and tragedy, it's that right there that we not rely on ourselves. Or you might, let me, allow me to paraphrase, that we might not rely on stuff, position, worldly comforts, worldly toys, but that we might but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but, underline that one again, or that one also, but on God. What's God after in all things? That though we not see him now, we love him, and we trust him, and we have joy in him. That we not rely on ourselves, but on God 
There's no period there yet. Praise the Lord. On God, say it with me, who raises the dead. That we, not, that we not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, we also, by faith, those of us who have trusted in him, will rise again. So we rely not on ourselves or on our stuff or on our accomplishments or on this world, but we rely on God who raises the dead. Now, over to chapter 5. Second, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You've got that as context. He gives us this wonderful hope. In chapter 5, beginning of verse 1, sorry, not on the screen, but flip there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'll read, let's see. Oh, we'll see. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, okay, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. Not a tent, but a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Verse 2, for in this tent, this body, we groan. In this tent we groan, longing to put on what? Our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, okay? He wants to make sure we understand. Not naked, we're not unclothed, but we're going to be clothed. We're going to be further clothed, he said, clothed, so that what is mortal, that's you and me in all this, really, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Don't you love that picture of death and mortality being swallowed up by life? The death of death being swallowed up by life. Verse 5. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. That groaning inside you, that ache, that longing for your eternal home is the work of the Spirit. Has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, as a down payment. Verse 6, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Let me say that part again. While we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. 
when we are away from the body, believers, when believers are away from the body, they are at home, finally, fully, they are at home with the Lord. Motivation, therefore, verse 9, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Let me take us to Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, okay? Just flip there with me. Here's the logic of this. Here's the flow of the story, okay? First Peter says, you've got an inheritance. And that's the same word. I forgot to mention this last week. That inheritance is the same word that's used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament where it talked about the promised land, the inheritance that Israel would get. So first Peter, Peter is saying, you have this inheritance. It's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. This salvation, this living hope that's coming. But any, but between Genesis chapter 3, where death, sin and death came, and Re- Revelation chapter 21, which we're getting ready to read, what do you have? Perishing fading, defilement. But an eternal inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, unfading is coming. But right now, we live, oh don't we, between Genesis 3 and Revelation 21. Not yet in our inheritance. Perishing, defiled, fading. But here's what's coming. And this morning, as I shared this picture, shared this passage with our team as we prepared for the service this morning and broke communion bread together, I slipped and I said, Imagine this. And it's really not, it's not an imagination in Revelation 21. That's not the right way to say it. It's rather picture this. Picture this. Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Verse 2, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Again, 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So, I got nothing, but we got this. We got this, this revelation of Jesus Christ to the Apostle John. And we believe it, we trust in it, or we don't. And if we trust in it, we have hope. And if we don't trust in it, I don't know where you find hope. And I don't know how you make any redemption, sense, or hope out of a tragedy. But if you've got a God that's still on his throne with an inheritance that he says will never spoil, never fade, never die, that's kept in heaven for us, then you've got hope. Hope from a God who raises the dead because he came in Jesus and died for those of us that are perishable and defiled. A God that came to this earth and got in the pain, experienced the death. And so that all the injustice that happens can one day be put right, will be put right. Because a man who deserved no injustice at all came and absorbed the most unjust, unjust, excuse my grammar, the most unjust death of all. His name was Jesus. And he says, if you believe in me, you will live even if you die. Because I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live, even if he dies. That's all I got. That's all we got. But if we got it, we got the hope of the world, and we've got joy in the midst Doggone it, right in the midst, in the center of grievous trials. Without it, it's a broken world. Go figure it out. Try to make sense of it.
we sang in the very beginning of the service this song called Bound for Glory. Now, the truth is, most of us weren't in here to hear, hear it. <laughs> Get here on time. So what I'd like for us to do is I'd like us to sing that song again. Not because you were late, okay? My family was late too. Not because you were late, because we need, we need it. We need it this morning. Because the song says, we're bound for glory. This is not our home. We're exiles. But, Peter says, we're not just exiles. We're elect exiles. Loved, cherished exiles. Bound for home bound for glory. Let's pray. Father God, we've, we've got nothing in this world apart from you and apart from the hope that you have provided for us. We grieve Apart from you, we grieve without joy and without hope. But because of you, because of Jesus, we grieve with joy and we grieve with hope. In the most difficult of circumstances, even unjust death. God, we thank you for your word that ministers to our hearts in a way that only you can pray again for this deeply hurting family, extended family, friends, teachers, classmates, sorority sisters, who hurt so deeply we can't, some of us can't even imagine it. And God, my prayer this morning is that all those affected would know a hope and a peace as real as the pain and the suffering and the grief. Because Jesus has come, because he's coming again, because we're going to be with him. In his beautiful name we pray.